Hey everyone, welcome to Orange Crushing It, a weekly series dedicated to high drive, passionate and motivated individuals. I'm your host, Frank Clark, President and CEO of The Mr. Orange. This shows a weekly dose of business, life and personal development principles geared toward bringing out the adrenaline junkie and overachiever in each and every one of you. As a seasoned entrepreneur of over five companies producing hundreds of millions in revenue, I'm going to personally be sharing my stories of success and, of course, my life-defining massive screw-ups, <laughs> as well as featuring inspiring guests, business leaders, athletes, thrill-seekers who just truly want to walk their talk and make life happen. Stick around, and let's get crushing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Orange Crushing It. My name is Frank Clark. I am the CEO of The Mr. Orange and your host for the show today. And again, what is the Orange Energy all about? Well, it's about being driven and passionate and, and just wanting to have zest for life, that internal desire that we all have to be successful, to be creative, to have like a, that adrenaline junkie, overachiever, want to win. We know we all have it. That's called the energy of Orange, and I am Mr. Orange. And today I have an awesome guest with me, somebody that I've met a few years back at a Tony Robbins event. And she's been in different programs with me. Her name is Alexia Malocki. She's an educator, an international consultant, an entrepreneur. She's a prolific producer with TV and movies, a marketer, a journalist, a brand ambassador. I mean, he's looked at all these accolades for this woman. International productions all over the world. There's a studio, and she's in Beverly Hills. It's called The Little Studio Film. She's a partner in that business. She's produced and sold award, award-winning movies, documentaries, and shorts. For over 20 years, she's been to all the major film festivals, anywhere from Cannes to Venice. Uh, she has a beautiful, amazing podcast called The Heart of Show Business. She also has a thing that she does, it's Hungry Fish Media Ministry, which is a Christian media boot camp to help uh, young students, give them the opportunity and potential knowledge about filmmaking. I mean, she's amazing. She <laughs> She's fluent in five languages. I'm hoping Boston is one of them. I can't even barely get through the English language myself. This is a podcast, so you really can't see her. But if Kate Upton has a twin sister, this is Alexia. She's beautiful, she's gorgeous, and she's amazing and fun. Alexia, welcome to Orange Crushing It. Oh, my goodness. I have to say, because I, when I do my podcast, I do the intros on other people, and I see them tear up a little bit because, you know, we all want to put everybody on a pedestal and make them look good. Dang. You crushed it. <laughs> I'm almost tearing up a little myself. I'm going, oh my God, I've accomplished so much. Well, good Look for me. You, huh? Yeah, you're, you're, you're not too bad there, girl. Yeah, I'm not right. too bad. That's so awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have the conversation. I mean, you know, when you asked me to come on board, first of all, like who wouldn't want to be part of Mr. Orange's life, you know, it's like something that everybody has to get your energy and feel it. So I'm blessed and honored that you're having me on your show. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate the accolades. Anytime anybody gets, wants to give me a plug, especially a beautiful woman, I will always take that. Uh, so Alexia, you were born in Italy. You came here to the States. You're obviously well entrenched in the movie industry and in the business. A little backstory. How'd you get started? Is How do you like, okay, I want to be on this side of the camera. Versus in the movie, or maybe you were, maybe you were an actress at one point. I don't know. Tell me a little bit about how, like, how you got involved in this and said, this is really what I want to do. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that whenever we're kids, I think that whatever we put down as far as one of our dreams, and we have it at a young age, 
sometimes we forget about it, but we actually, most of the time, if we pay attention to that dream, we can make it happen for ourselves and we can make it come true. I remember when I was not going into a long story, but when I was 14 years old, I had no idea what Hollywood looked like. I had no idea what Los Angeles, even as a city, looked like. And I was watching shows like Happy Days. I was watching Dallas and Dynasty and Chips, go figure. And all of a sudden, I wrote down in my diary, I still have it to this day, at the age of 14, in one page was like biggest dream to go to America forever. And I even wrote it in English, which is so bizarre. I had never seen California. They're like, and here I am, you know, my mother found, you know, a wonderful American man when she got divorced. And she's like, let's pack it up. Let's go to America. And it happened to be Los Angeles of all places. So I actually got to have my dream of going to prom, you know, the cap and gown, everything that I saw in happy days that I wanted to like literally live, I got to do it. So to me, it's really the power of mindset, right? It was incredible. So that's like how I got here, me, an Italian immigrant. I didn't get on a boat. I didn't go through Ellis Island, you know, but I actually got here because I put something down on paper and I made it happen for myself. Did I uh, choose to go into the business? Not really. It it was, again, handed to me a little bit. You know, you have to follow the signs, as they say. I mean, basically, you know, I was asked to be, I was in high school. I was a senior in high school, and I was asked to be a translator for an Italian distributor who basically somebody who buys movies to release in Italy. He spoke nothing of English. He couldn't even understand a word. So they said to me, do you want to make some extra money? And I'm like, yes, I want some shopping money so I can go to Greece this summer and celebrate being a senior. So I ended up being his interpreter. And uh, he took me to this thing called the American Film Market. And I had to go watch movies with him. And I had to listen to him talking in Italian and saying, I want voglio questo, like I want to buy this, you know? And then I had to do the deals for him, like no clue, but I winged it, right? Being a total perfectionist and striving for the best. And then he asked me to represent him. He like literally said, you know, you're so good at it. Why don't I give you money every month so that you can keep on looking for movies for me? And that's how it started. You know, I met other people there. I met some Greeks. They asked me to do the same, you know, help us buy American movies. And, you know, there was no internet back then. So, you know, I mean, they needed me really, they couldn't find information even if it hit them in the head. So they needed me. And I had the cultural thing. So that's really how I got thrown into the business. And, you know, a year and a half later, I start my own company with my mom. We're being financed by the same people who basically hired us to buy movies for them. And like, why don't you just pick up a bunch of American movies and sell them to us? Because you got buyers. And I'm like, okay. And so with no funding, nothing, zero zilch, my mother and I started selling American movies to all these big famous festivals that you mentioned about. And that's kind of like how everything started. And I think it was about 20 years old that I made my first million dollars, which is not too bad. So there you go. Extremely <laughs> good. A million dollars at 20 years old. And you're starting it like as a senior in high school. Yeah. Right? Didn't even go to college. <laughs> you know. I went to the school of life. We got got PhDs in street smarts, right, Alexia? Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, if you want to learn, you don't need school to learn, honestly. You know, there's people who get all these degrees, as you know, not to say anything against people who get super fancy degrees, but so many of them, 
you know, once they get them, they forget all the education that you had. I feel that, and I'm sure you can relate because you're probably that one guy like that too. It's all about wanting to learn and being street smart. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I get an education in high school, my high school English teacher who was outside in the parking lot smoking weed. And he's like, don't, don't tell anybody I'm doing this. Right. I see him out there and he pulls me aside and he goes, you like going to school? I go, not really. You know, my mother and father said, you got to be on a roll. You got to be not. And I said, not, not really. I just can't wait to get out of here and start my own company. Right. Start my own thing. And he said, you know what the truth of school is? He goes, the A students never leave. They, they always believe they got to learn more. They're never satisfied. So they never, ever leave school. And the B students, you know, well, that's, you know, top of the class still, but they, they just, they want to get out. They want, they're not kind of, they're kind of in between. They don't want to stay in school all the time. They don't necessarily have big dreamers. They're achievers. They want to get stuff done. The C students are like, oh, what's the minimum I got to do to get out of here? <laughs> right. And so he told me, he said, the A students teach the B students how to work for the C students. I was like, oh, really? No offense to any of you A or B students out there right now, but I see students, right, Alexia? We're just like, let's get going. Let's get something going, man, you know? Oh, so- my gosh. It's so true. And, you know, one of the things that I remember when I was in high school is that I was actually pretty damn good. I was pretty smart. But then then it really ended up that I was poor in language. You know, English was not even my first language. And I actually did better than some American kids. And I think it's because I really was hungry and I wanted to prove myself. You know, when you're an immigrant, you want to like belong and you want to kind of like, and you know what I like about America, the difference with Italy, say back in the day and America is in America is almost made to always encourage you to be your greatest, right? Most of the time, even in school back then in Italy, you can be an A-list student and they're going to go, oh, well, even if you're an A, I'm going to give you a B minus because you don't really deserve it. And if you, if I give you an A, that means that you're going to rest on your laurels and you're not going to do anything. You're never going to improve. Well, when I was in high school here, it's like, oh, you want to go to acting school? Sure, do it. You want to learn how to type? Great. You want to do whatever. You, I mean, who does that? Like in an American school, we don't have that in Italy. Like really, you can be an actor while going to high school or learn how to do woodwork and fixing cars in high school. <laughs> That's crazy. But I loved it, Frank. I loved it. It was so great. And Best years ever. Tell. You still love it. You still have a passion for learning. That's how I know you is through learning. That's how I know you is, is, you know, both of you and I are out there trying to improve our lives, trying to improve the quality of the products we give to people, the message we give to people. I think we're both at a later stage in our life where it's not necessarily so much about us, but it's definitely more about how, how many people can we influence? Who can we inspire? Who can we help? I know you're very much that kind of person, right? That, does yeah. that embody you, Alexia? It totally does. But I have to say, I'm a little bit jealous of you sometime because I tend to be a super diplomat. You know, I have to be there with all the artists and I have to be sensitive because artists are sensitive creatures, right? So I have to try sometimes to not tell it like it is. And one of the things that I loved about you when you and I were in our masterminds together and we had a lot of conversations is like, you're like a no BS guy. It's like, if somebody's going to go with you and you want to like get some type of advice, you're going to tell it like it is. You're not there to be going, oh, poor me, you know, whatever. You're like, okay, get your ass out of that chair and do something, which I love. I love, you know, and it's, uh, 
it's something that I'm a little jealous of because I can't really do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can. You just say it in Italian or Greek and they don't understand, right? So you can still say get off your ass. <laughs> exactly. I can cuss in Italian and then I'm just like, yeah. would you like some tea? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, anything you say in Italian sounds beautiful anyways, right? So it doesn't really matter. And, you know, you, you know, maybe I'm direct because that's how we are up in the Northeast. Boston, New York, the Chicago, Philly, that whole sector of the country or the world, we get up early and we, we get after it really early. And we tell it how it is. And it's almost through a fall. You know, if you date a girl from, from Boston and you walk up to her and you go, hey, how's this shirt look? And she'd be like, well, it looks better on the hanger. I don't think it looks so good on you. <laughs> Oh my God! Like, if, you, if you don't want to know the truth, don't ask a Boston woman about how you look. <laughs> think I'm gaining a little weight, honey? Uh, no, I think you gain a lot of weight. <laughs> Skippy. <laughs> That's too funny. Well, one other thing, though, that we noticed saying, talking about Boston, as you know, we have a lot of famous actors in Hollywood who are from Boston. Of course. And, and uh, so. Right. <laughs> Well, yes. Mark and the Funky Bunch, and we, you know, got Matt Damon up there. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So well, Boston breeds the good stuff. <laughs> well, we bring different stuff anyways, right? Good the body. <laughs> bring that stuff. <laughs> uh, I mean, I love, obviously, I'm biased. I, I love watching The Town, and I love watching The Departed, and any any movie that's you know based or TV show that's based here in New England, you know, Ray Donovan on Showtime now, great show, right? All the Boston boys, I love that. Question for you: I think everybody in deep down, right? We all relate, and the reason that acting is so amazing, and the reason probably that entertainers are paid so much, is because us as the viewers can try to see ourselves in the role that they're playing. Right. The person who's the actor or the actress is playing a hero at some level. Right. Even even if they're a demon or even if they're a villain, we see ourselves in that person, which is why we relate with them, which is why we'll pay money to continually see them. And we'll pay all kinds of money. Athletes, all of this. Right. We fantasize a little bit inside ourselves, seeing themselves in that role. Look, I'm not a young guy, but I'm sure not an old guy either. I mean, I'm playing a living to be 150 and I just turned 60 last year. And I want to act. How, how would somebody like in this chapter of your life, 40, 50, 60, 70, right? How would somebody get involved in movies and production? And how, what kind of person would you be looking for to go? That's the look I want. That person, that she or she has it, that it factor. I got to cast that person. Wow. Well, I preface that there is a little bit of a myth that needs to be debunked because I feel that People think that it's really producers that they make the decisions on casting and who gets to be in what show. Most of the time that happens by the decision of the casting director and primarily the director, because the director is basically the architect of a movie or TV show. He has a very, very clear idea as to how he sees certain characters in his head, what they're going to be physically look like, what are they going to be their mannerism. And his best work is going to come out when he gets actors or actresses that he has seen in his head first. And so I feel that, unfortunately, the producer's job is not as uh, controlled as far as the casting is concerned. I mean, we're more the people who are picking the material, like the scripts or the storytelling that we feel is worth putting into a screen or into a TV, you know, TV series. 
But then, and then we're the one who are chasing the money, you know, again, talking about the overachievers, right? So we're the ones going to be knocking the doors and trying to get convinced people to write us checks so that we can see the show done. So we're a little bit more of the, I would say like in an equivalent, like the Wall Street guy who is going after and trying to sign accounts and everything. Well, you know, the director is the artist and they're going to be choosing people like yourself. Now, the good news, as you and I talked about this earlier on light, on offline, is that now the field is wide open. Before it used to be, oh, uh, unless you're Harrison Ford or Brad Pitt or Kevin Costner, you know, we're not going to give you a movie role or a TV role. Now people are looking for personality. They're looking for authenticity. They're looking for reality. And uh, they're discovering talent in the weirdest places like YouTube and Instagram and any of the social media, Facebook. You know, they might be looking at you, Frank, doing one of your amazing lives that I love so much. And they'll be going, oh my God, this guy has the most amazing accent. He's funny as hell. Let me contact him and see if you would like to be in some independent film. That's really how it's done. I mean, unless you are, of course, you know, you need the money. Of course, you're going to need the star power to get the money, sadly. I mean, that's the truth. Uh, You know, they need to have the A-list actor for an investor to write them a check so that they can get the movie going. But as far as all the other parts, it's wide open. So somebody starting later... They have as many chances as the 20-year-old. Actually, they have more chances because there's so many 20-year-old, 18-year-olds who are like on Instagram, the next Kardashians, the next this and that, that they think they're going to get cast because, you know, they look good on camera. But people want real. People want real right now. I mean, you you and I spoke about, you know, the Ray Donovan series and Ozark and all of those. I mean, this is great. And people need interesting faces and personalities. They don't need somebody who's got like silicon lips or, you know, the guy who's like looking, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I'm glad you just told me because I had a silicon lip injection uh, process scheduled for tomorrow. I'm going to cancel that now. Cancel the Botox too <laughs> while you're at it. <laughs> you don't need it. You don't need it. <laughs> That's why I have facial hair. It covers all that. <laughs> silicon lips that I got going on. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You know, one thing you mentioned, and I, I think this is really cool, especially in the pandemic that's going on right now, you know, nobody's working. I can imagine with coronavirus and this whole social distancing and having to wear masks, I mean, the TV industry and the movie industry is pretty much shut down, right? I mean, it can't film anything new, can't be around anything new. So you, as somebody that's in the business of trying to get people going in this space, you know, how have you been able to survive and how have you been able to thrive? I'm, I'm sure you're not just surviving. I'm sure you're excelling in exponentially. How do you thrive in your industry specifically during this pandemic? Well, you know, I think it has to do with mindset, right? And so we all have to be able to adapt as you and I recently, I think I just recently heard a Tony Robbins thing, you know, that that he did live on a YouTube and he was saying, you never really want to be in just one business. You want to be in as many businesses as you can. If you're thinking that you're going to be able to just make a living out, out of what you know best without thinking how to diversify, you might as well shoot yourself in the foot because right now it's all about pivoting, expanding and thinking outside of the box. So 
other people got depressed. They said, oh, my movie can be made. So I'm just going to sit there and do nothing. I have never been more busy during this quarantine thing than I've ever been even when I was out of quarantine. I mean, both you and I launched a podcast, you know, <laughs> while being stuck at home. And, and all of a sudden, I started taking classes on YouTube and learning how to like work the YouTube medium because you can actually today get eyeballs on who you are and what you want to say on your own storytelling by being really, really well-versed with the mediums of the YouTube, the Facebook, the StreamYards, the Instagram and whatever. So I literally did a deep dive on all that. And I'm like, you know what? Screw that. Apple's not giving me a green line on my movie or Warner Brothers not going to give me the money so I can make my movie. I'm going to create my own content, you know, and keep it going. And then, of course, once things get back to normal, hopefully I'll be able to make my big movies and my big TV shows. But in the meantime, I can sit still, as I'm sure you can't either. No, no. I mean, YouTube has become the cinema, right? I mean, if we're going to stay at home, Netflix and YouTube and social media, Instagram stories, Facebook stories, that's what people are watching. So, you know, if you're in that space, like you and I are, we're, we're branding ourselves in the social media space, but also, you know, hopefully in a much bigger scheme, right? Or not scheme, but a much bigger plan. Obviously, get good at YouTube because people will watch you, right? And if they're entertained, they'll just keep watching you, like Justin Bieber, right? Or I mean, you know, plenty of stars who literally their entire career started by being a, a phenom on social media or YouTube, right? Yeah, literally. I mean Billy Eilish was a YouTuber Justin Bieber was a YouTuber. Issa Rae, who has a show on Netflix, was a YouTuber. As long as you get eyeballs on who you are. And you know what? This is a great opportunity because the internet is your stage right now. You you don't even have to go do a theater and say, hey, 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 I'm just going to like do some theater as an actor. You can just put yourself on stage and you have your own lights and you can do anything you want. And agencies right now who are representing big stars, all they do sometimes is they have people who scour the internet looking for fresh voices and fresh talent. That's why there is the influencers who don't even know how to act. And then they're given millions of dollars to make a movie because they know they're going to bring the brands. You know, events now are being done on the virtual stage. I mean, you as a coach, you could be starting a virtual event and you could be talking about business and entrepreneurship, and you could do it from the comfort of your home. So this is a very exciting time, I think. I refuse, I refuse to let this get me. I refuse. Well, that's all mindset, right? You either get to or have to. I have to stay home. I have to not work. I have to stay in this pandemic. I have to bitch. I have to complain. Or I get to spend time with my kids. I get to learn something new. I get to change my destiny. I get to start a new company. Total mindset shift. One word different, that's it. And the trajectory is exponentially in the opposite direction, right? Yeah, yeah, completely. And as you know, one of my slogans also, when it comes to the entertainment business is emotion and entertainment are closely connected. And I believe that. There is a reason why, I mean, heck, I mean, I did a, I did a Facebook Live one time in December and I had no idea what was going to happen. I, I saw somebody surrender a dog and I did a live saying, screw it. I don't care if they see me cry. And I'm like, what are people going to think of me? I could not even think like that in that moment because I wanted to save the dog. And within 24 hours, I had like, I don't know how many thousands of views and the dog got saved after 24 hours. So I'm thinking, look at the impact that if we show up, 
as who we are in all our splendor, as they say. And we do not give an F about what people think. Look at what you can do. I mean, we have a bigger mission in life right now than just sit and mope and going, oh my God, there is a pandemic, there is COVID, there is racial injustice. Of course there is. We're not going to deny that. There is exciting things that are happening in terms of the changes of our world. But if we sit by the sidelines and do nothing and wait for someone to hand us something, you can wait for a long time, my friend, right? Not going to happen. Nope. Like there's a lot of events that are going on. And if the differentiator between the people that excel, like yourself, and those that don't, is the meaning they want to attach to these events. You want to attach a meaning that's, oh, I'm debilitated, I'm crippled, I'm down, I'm, I'm persecuted, I'm racially biased, I'm whatever you want to say. That's one directive. And the other directive could be the meaning I'm going to put to this is this is my moment to shine. This is my moment to change. This is my moment to influence. This is my moment to grow. This is... It's all in how you want to spin it, right? Yes. And we never know. Sometimes we get hit by personal challenges. And uh, you and I had these discussions. And even when something happens in your personal life that goes astray, like my divorce, for example, I'm not going to lie. I went into a depression. I mean, I was literally depressed for four months. I mean, I was basically my couch crying and going, Oh my God, nobody loves me. Like everybody loves me outside, but really nobody loves me. And then I said, wait a minute, what are you doing to yourself? You're here to lead. You're here to give your light to people. And does that really matter what one single person in, I don't know how many billions of people, whether they still love you, they don't love you. Are we that attached to another person's opinion of you? And so finally I snapped out of it, just like in Moonstruck, you know, when she like slaps Nicolas Cage, remember? Oh yeah. I lost my arm. I lost my wife, remember? He says, I have no idea what pain is. And she's like, oh, bam. And she gives him a slap and says, snap out of it, you know? La luna, la luna. <laughs> yeah, that would be something you, Frank, do to somebody. You know, it's like slap oh, them I would slap out of it. I'd be the guy getting slapped. That That's a for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'd was, be Nicolas Cage in that event. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my. You would be that, right? I would be. Yeah, I'd probably be flirting with Cher and be like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the magic of movies. And that's why I love doing what I do because... I can literally dig myself out of a hole by watching a movie that somehow is going to make me think, is going to give me a new perception of what life is. And that's the thing. I think in movies. So when I was down, literally, that's what I thought about, Moonstruck. And I I literally visualized somebody coming and slapping me in the face and saying, snap out of it. And I did. And you know what? I never looked back. And you and I had this discussion. I never look back and look at where we are right now. Yeah. That's the thing. Divorce sucks. I don't care how you spin it. I don't care how it works, you know, especially when you've been with somebody for a long time. And you and I, I got divorced two years ago. I was quite shocked by it, but it happens, right? That's the event. Okay. The event is getting divorced. It sucks. But the meaning I'm going to put to it, the meaning you're going to put to it can be, oh, nobody loves me. Oh, you know, such a victim. Ah. <laughs> right. Some people do that. I did that for a little while. It's called grieving. You know, and so you got to accept a little part of grieving. That's part of the process, right? You go from the sadness to the pissed off to the sadness to the more pissed off, even more pissed off. And then you finally go, you know what? You hit resolve. All right, you know what? It's time to move on. 
time to get what we know we're really good at. We teach it, right? So let's act on what we teach. Alexia, you are an amazing, amazing teacher. You're amazing. Real quick, tell me what the, the heart of the show business, tell me a little bit about your podcast. So I created the heart of the show business exactly because I feel the show business has a lot more heart than what we are led to believe. And I really wanted to educate, uplift, and inspire those that have this shroud of mystery about how Hollywood truly works. So I wanted to give them the opportunity to listen to some filmmakers, actors, directors, producers, singers. It doesn't matter as long as it's show business. I wanted them to hear the journeys, to know that there is humans behind the artists and so that they can relate to it and feel in and say, if they did it, then I can possibly do that too, whether I choose to be in show business or it's something else. So it really was done for that purpose. And I felt that it was needed in today's world. And that's kind of like how I created, just like how you created your orange crushing it. I actually have a question for you. I hate to like swap, but I have an important question for you here before we go off. But do you find it that because you are this alpha male, you know, overachiever, I'm sort of like this alpha female overachiever that people automatically think that when you're going through a hardship, whether it's on a personal level or whatever level, they never really ask you how you're doing because they think you're going to get over it so quick. They're like, eh, I don't even need to ask them. They're super strong. Is there like a little bit of a thing going on in your life like that? Because I'm oh, curious. That's a great, great question. And you know what? You're right. That happens. It happened in my family. I'm like, why isn't anybody asking me how I feel? <laughs> you know, this sucks. And I would ask him that and they'd say, well, you know how to get through this. I mean, you look, you've done all these 27 years of personal development. You know how to, we don't have to worry about you. And, you know, I'm a Leo too, right? So on top of being an overachiever and this whole orange energy, I'm a Leo. So, and Leo's is supposed to be all this outgoing, gregarious, charismatic, strong, courageous. But you know what? Deep down, we, we're sensitive. We're very sensitive people. And I think you and I have, uh, yes, a good, strong dose of male energy that get that get it done, that orange energy, that make it happen kind of mentality. But you know what? I think that both of us are still that sensitive flower, too. You know, that that that, you know, hey, I could use a hug. You know what I mean? <laughs> I could I, I don't mind a little bit of loving and attention right now. Yeah. Not things aren't going really great right now. I could certainly use some company, you know? Yeah. But yeah, right. You know, this boils down to one other thing, too. I think it is, they say you're the average of the five people you hang out with, right? Jim Rohn coined that phrase. You're the average of the five people you hang out with. So if the people I hang out with, right, are not doing quite as well as me, they're not as, it's not as advanced, they're not as progressive, you know, those are the people that might not even ask, how you doing? Because they always think you got it going on. But if the five people I hang out with the most are overachievers and they're crushing it and everything else, and they see that I'm falling apart, those might be more the people that say, hey, you're doing all right? Because you know what? I see you as a pretty aggressive, go-getting kind of, kind of person, and you're not doing that now. So I kind of look at it and go, you know, what's my sphere of influence? Who are the people I'm really hanging out with? Because in that whole theory of, you know, the five people, on somebody's list, you're at the bottom of their list. On somebody else's list, you're at the top of their list. Some people you're in the middle of their list, right? Where, where do you stack up against the people you have respect for and the people that, you, that matter? 
I can honestly say that I know you live on the other side of the country as me, but if you lived closer, you'd be somebody that I hang out with because you're somebody that just has great energy and you'd be that kind of, you're one of those five people that people should emulate and want to be around. You know, I'm just saying, because you've got a lot of, a lot of cool things going for you. You get a great attitude. Well, thank you so much. Well, I'll be coming to Florida at some point. I mean, I'm not going to Europe because I can't go to Europe. So I have so many friends in Florida, literally between Tampa and Miami. As soon as the heat goes away, I might just like hop on a plane and then I'll take you up on that. We're going to have a little pina colada or margaritas or something on the beach. Absolutely. And you can cast the orange energy into a next uh, Boston mob movie. I don't know, something. (laughs) I might start filming you on my iPhone and then just like, you know, show it to some casting director and say, check out this guy. You never know. (laughs) not the X Factor. Thank you so (laughs) much for having me. That was so much fun. Yeah, I really, I got to say, this was a really, really fun interview. Thanks for being on my show. Thanks for embodying that orange energy, that driven passion. Check out your podcast, The Heart of the Show Business. And how else can people get a hold of you or find you, Alexia? Well, they can find me on thealexiamelocchi.com. That's my personal website. And then they can find me on Instagram at Lexi Bella. And then they can find me on Twitter at Alexia Melocchi. I'm everywhere. Just Google me. I've, I've, I've gotten control of Google. So Google knows me very well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. SEO queen over here. Great. Well, again, thank you so much. Everybody, thank you. Uh, this is my special guest, Alexia Malaki. She's such an accomplished person. I want to thank her for being on the show today. Everybody, if you have Orange Energy, look her up, find her out there on the, on the web and learn more about her. And for the rest of you, enjoy the show. I hope you had a great time. Have a great day. Enjoy your life and stay inspiring, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orange Crushing It. Hope you're fired up to take on your week with unstoppable energy. Hey, if you like the broadcast, please subscribe. Share it with your best buds and please write a badass review. You can reach me at themrorange.com. Stay inspiring, y'all.